My name is Emily, and you're listening to Backyard Pet Talk with Shannon Riley. Hi, Emily. So this is our special edition podcast um, that most of you guys, maybe, maybe this is your first time hearing us, but maybe you've been listening to all of the Positive Puppy podcasts that we have been putting together. Just a quick recap in case this is your first time hearing us. Emily is one of my best friends and she got a puppy just recently, Mr. Teddy, which you're going to hear more about. And if you've been looking at any of the pictures, you'll see pictures and video of Teddy. We're videotaping when he goes to the vet. We're doing all kinds of different things so that you can be puppy educated from Teddy. So she had all these puppy questions. So we decided to do this podcast so that you would benefit from her questions because most of her questions are the same questions that everybody asks about their puppies. Emily, go ahead and tell me what are your first puppy questions today? Shannon, today we are talking about teething. (laughs) (laughs) And we're laughing because Teddy was a little snappy this morning on our walk today. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I, um, I'm just such a naturally curious person and, and Teddy was on his back and I saw it what looks like just this little peekaboo of new teeth coming in. And it just made me curious. Talk me through the entire teething process. When do teeth come in? How do they come in? What does it feel like for puppy? When does it stop? I just like, I'm curious what it is. So by the time you adopted your puppy, they have their puppy teeth, you know, so their puppy teeth come in in a couple weeks of age, you know, the first ones, but as they're nursing. So you don't really have to deal with that. And now the baby baby, when they first come in the first time from newborn, it doesn't really do anything because you don't have them and, and they're kind of out of it a little bit, those first, you know, six to eight weeks of life. But when everybody you get your puppy home, they all have little sharp puppy teeth by them. And one thing you have to remember is puppies explore with their mouths because they don't have hands. So they're picking things up and they're exploring with their um, mouth. We'll go through the anatomy of it and the physiology of it first, just so you can kind of understand. So puppies have their baby teeth until they're between four and six months of age. And that's when their baby teeth start to fall out and their big kid teeth come in. The good part about when big kid teeth are in, they're not as sharp and pointy, but puppy, baby puppy teeth are very sharp. Those teeth are more painful when they They nip you or mouth you. But between four and six months, you'll start to notice that their teeth fall out. When their teeth start to fall out, you may or may not ever see a baby tooth. I have some clients who find like every tooth. I don't know how, why their dog doesn't swallow it. It's crazy. And one client who cleaned a rug and there were a whole bunch. Every once in a while, I'll see a baby tooth in puppy class, but not very often. But what I do see in puppy class is they'll be playing with another dog. And one dog will all of a sudden have blood all over their back or wherever they've been mouthing. And everybody gets panicked for the dog that has blood on their body, but I don't. I usually go, who are they just playing with? Because that means one of their teeth probably just fell out. Because when their teeth fall out, sometimes they do bleed. And because it's mixed with saliva, it can look like a lot. So they'll start to fall out between four and six months. Every puppy's a little bit different. So some are earlier, some are later. And what usually starts to happen is the big kid teeth start pushing from underneath the gums. They push out the baby teeth, just like ours, if they're they're coming in healthy. And then the baby teeth pops out and then the big tooth kind of replaces it. There are cases when puppies will retain some of their baby teeth, which means that when the big tooth comes in, the little tooth doesn't get pushed out. Usually a veterinarian will remove those during a spay or neuter if that happens 
just because it can affect their bite and it can affect other things if this extra tooth is there. So that's kind of how that happens. Now, when that happens, we can't ask them, just like we can't ask toddlers when they're teething, how it feels and how it hurts. But, you know, gums get red. You can imagine if you have like a, like a popcorn kernel in your tooth, it kind of irritates you and it kind of hurts. It doesn't mean it's like excruciating, but it's uncomfortable. And because toddlers and puppies tend to be more mouthy and a little more whiny during these periods of time, we assume that it's at least uncomfortable. Is it uncomfortable enough they need meds, pain meds? No, but it's just something we need to acknowledge. Sometimes what they'll do to relieve that is start chewing on things more. So finding a texture that they really like, sometimes people will give things that are supervised, they'll freeze something. You know, you can take one of their dog toys and soak it in water and freeze it. And then it's iced. And so it might give them some relief if they have one of those. I have some people who will get a towel wet and then freeze it and then let them chew on a towel. You just have to make sure that your puppy's not one that's going to swallow that, tear it up and ingest it. So sometimes those things you have to go on a case by case basis. Um, or decide that chewing on towels is a good idea. Exactly. So, yeah. So I have one client who her favorite dog toy was getting a like dish towel, hiding treats in it, knotting it up. And that puppy did fine. Unknotted it, didn't destroy the towel looked for the treat, but others will destroy the towel, eat the towel, and you become now a digestive nightmare. It's the same thing we talked, I think, about one about giving socks as toys. I have some, I have a couple of yellow lab puppies and in my lifetime I've had them, that if they got a sock, it will go down like an oyster down your throat. I mean, it's like, they just suck it up like they're eating an oyster and it's so fast. So it's not worth the risk. Sometimes you can get, and there are teething toys for puppies where they have like a liquid in them. They're like a softer rubber, but some puppies will destroy those in two seconds and some will chew on them. This is where sometimes things like the Nyla bones or the greenies or even you know, a rawhide or no hide or a bully stick or something like that is really good because then they can really chew on them. This is when they might chew on furniture because they're a little sore. They also can be doing some of this chewing because it's exploring too, you know, because they might be exploring the environment and they're like, oh, what's this wood? And then it feels good to their teeth. So, you know, it's kind of a combo, but making sure that they um, have plenty to chew. Kongs can be really good. They do have Kongs that are softer rubber that are made more specifically for puppies. So, you know, those can be really beneficial to have them fill those and then you can freeze a Kong and then they can chew on that. Kong has all kinds of toys and products that allow, you know, you to do all those things. So that's something, you know, that you can also do. And sometimes we'll see them like mouthing on your pants and stuff more at this time, but usually that's not necessarily related to teething because it's more that exploring. So, you know, when they bite your hands and they bite your things, because when they are teething and their teeth are coming in, it's uncomfortable and they want to do more of the gnawing and the chewing. But puppies are notorious for being really mouthy because they don't have hands. So they're trying to grab things, play with things. So when you're dealing with mouthiness, it can be different. It's not necessarily because they're teething. It's because they're trying to grab things and and then they learn if it's reinforced, it's play. There can be a lot of things with that. But the good thing is after six months, after they go through all this, typically all mouthing 
even playful mounting has decreased. So once you can get through the six month mark, it usually is a lot better. Glad to hear it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, and you introduced perfectly my next question. Daddy loves to bite my shoes and my pants when I'm just minding my own business, walking through my own house. How do I make my pants less interesting? How do I, right? Because we want to avoid behavior, right? So that Uh they don't get reinforced for it. So A, how do I... Again, I'm not, I'm not shuffling my feet. I'm not playing. Trying to play. You're not intentionally trying to play with him. So let's start there actually. Like, and I am so guilty of this where I'll like make my fingers do like a little spidey walk or whatever Uh and and then get mad when he bites my finger. So, so let's start there that don't play on purpose with anything. You don't want them to actually. So like a lot of times people are like, oh, they're really rough with my husband because the husband wrestles and then they get mad that the puppy wants to wrestle with the kids. And I'm like, well, you want, don't want them to teach that kind of behavior, especially when they're young, because they don't, they don't have that on off switch. They don't have that impulse control. Like my dogs are all usually agility dogs. So I teach them that we can tug and play and we can do crazy things after they've competed, but I don't teach them that behavior until they're more mature. So I teach them more the controlled behavior and then let them be crazy kind of as a response you know so you should your hands should not be toys because they're going to grab a toy so if you're going to play with them taking uh, like a stuffed toy or this might be where you have a tug toy or rope toy and and they're playing with that and instead they're learning to bite on that texture rather than your hand because we don't want them to learn to bite your hands it's the same thing with your you know feet if you are like shuffling and like making them want to play with your feet or your shoes then you can't get mad at them when they you know play with them so some stuff you can do but then there's going to be curious puppy mode so you know you're going to avoid playing with them in ways you don't want like don't because that's encouragement so if you are playing with your finger and then they get you and then you're like ah but you've just asked them, you've, you've triggered that behavior to happen. But then sometimes, and this happens a lot with healer puppies because they're just in, inherently border collies. Any dog is meant to herd will start nipping at heels and things. So what you can start doing is redirecting them when they do, because probably the need he is expressing at that time is, Hey, I want attention. Hey, I want to play with you. Hey, you know, you're ignoring me, which is okay. You are allowed to ignore your puppy, but there's a couple ways you can take take it. So if it's predictable, so you're cooking dinner or you're sitting at watching TV or you're at your computer and you know, oh gosh, this is when he starts to get a little bored. I kind of want him to play by himself, but then now he's playing with my shoes or biting my pants or whatever. If it's predictable, then before the activity that this starts on, you give them like a stuffed Kong, a bone, something else for them to play with, or you can put them in their crate. But if they don't need to be in their crate, I think I've told the story. I don't know if I've told it on this, but I tell it a lot. So when my Jack Russell Scout was a puppy, when I would brush my teeth in the morning, I would, she would eat her breakfast in the bathroom so that she wasn't around the other big dogs so that she could eat and they wouldn't eat all their food. Well, what would happen is I brush my teeth, wash my face, getting ready. And she'd eat in 20 seconds. And then she'd jump up and bite my butt and literally jumped up, met my butt. And it was not fun. It was not what I wanted. And it was definitely not what I wanted as a long-term behavior. So what I did was I got her a kibble nibble ball and I put her kibble in a kibble nibble ball and she ate her breakfast in the kibble, in the bathroom with me. Everything else was the same except her food came from a food toy. So it took her about 20 minutes to get the food out while I was brushing my teeth. When she was finished, she would just lay down on the, on the mat because she just had 20 minutes of play 
And I was still in there with her. And to this day, she loves all of her fruit toys and she's 11. That's kind of how I was like, okay, this behavior has to stop. And then as she got older, I could wean that off. If I was cooking dinner and I knew that my puppy was going to be a pain, I'd either put them in the crate or I would do the same thing. Give them food toys, give them a stuffed Kong, give them a bone. You're replacing the behavior with something else. Those are all things that you can do to help prevent it. If you get caught doing it, sometimes they'll grab your pants. It's best to just stop and either ignore them and see. Sometimes if you just ignore them, they'll stop. If they don't stop, you can redirect them by telling them sit, you know, telling them down. And then you can go grab a toy or something for them to do. If I have to redirect you more than three times and I'm trying to get something done, then I'm going to put you in your pen or your crate or outside or whatever because it's not working what's happening. You know, they're not getting the redirection. If somebody comes to me and they say, oh my God, my puppy is biting so much. A lot of times the afternoon's the worst. It's when they are tired. Making sure, and I know we've said this before, but that 18 hours a day at least of sleep is so critical because if you don't let them get that sleep, they're going to be cranky. If you keep them up too long for a nap, which we've seen with Teddy, you know, when Teddy... We saw him on front last week and he had been out with you. And then my son and I came over and he was tired and he was just mouthy, you know, because they're kind of as cranky, tired. So getting them so that they get enough sleep is so important because they're just like a toddler who's just fussy and, you know, no matter what you do, nothing's going to make it better. So sleep is important. Prevention, redirection. And making sure they have plenty of chew toys. Sometimes I'll see people and they'll go, oh, my puppy chews on everything. And I look at their toys and they're like, well, they don't really like this one. They don't like this one. I'm like, well, which one can they chew on? And that's an individual dog. A lot of dogs, if your dog likes to chew on wood, there's a wood toy that has like fake, it has wood particles in it, but it's a nylabone type bone. Mm -hmm. So it's a harder plastic but it smells like wood. And a lot of dogs really, really like that if they chew on wood. It's soft enough that they can get their teeth in, but it's harder like a raw, a nyla bone. So it's not too hard where it's just going to fall to pieces. So Kong comes up with all kinds of different toys all the time that encourages that, that chewing, but it's individual. So when I was little, I hated Rubik's Cube. So if you had given me that as something to do, I just peeled the stickers off and put them on the solid color and then basically never touch the Rubik's Cube again. Because that wasn't my thing. But I really liked hook latch when I was little. So you could give me hook latch and I would do that. I like to run and hike, but if you made me swim, I would want to swim. So our dogs all have preferences too. They like certain toys. They like certain shoes. You know, so there's different things you can do with them. So prevention's always, you know, important. Redirection. And if worst case, you do the confinement as well, but finding what they like. Once again, you've set me up perfectly for my next question. You and I are besties and I'm good at following directions. Teddy has so many chew toys. He has everything available. He has raw hides. He has no hides. He has bullies. He has sweet potato chews. He has Kongs. He like, he has everything I kind of feel like he's like getting used to them because he'll like they're all right there Mm -hmm. all like doggy Disneyland is in (laughs) my kitchen right now and he's like mom entertain me so I've conquered that like I have all the different things do dogs get bored with things you you know it is something that it's a really good idea just like kids sometimes it's beneficial 
to pick up like an offer and change it. Like every three or four days, like you have these five toys out that are all fun. And then you take them away and then you put out another five toys. And then maybe every three days, you know, you just keep rotating them so they don't get bored. They're different. It's kind of like us, you know, you can have clothes in the closets you wore all the time and then you kind of got bored of it. And then like, if it's something you really love, a couple of years later, like, oh my God, I'm so glad I still have this dress. You know, I love this dress. And it's like, it's new because you haven't worn it lately. So switching things up is really important, you know, too, because it just keeps it so they don't get bored. Sometimes you need to have the food toys as part of it because the food toy, as they play with it, they get reinforced for it. So, you know, they push it, you know, it and a kibble falls out or a treat falls out and then they're more willing to do it. Similar to us going and doing slot machines at Vegas. If the slot machines were all empty all the time, we would never even go and try them. If we never won anything, we wouldn't try them. And if we won something every time, it almost loses its excitement because, you know, you're like, oh, good. I got, you know, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. So mixing it up helps. If it didn't ever reinforce you, you would stop playing with it. And so I have some clients who have dogs who get a stuffed toy and they throw it in the air by themselves and they have a grand old time with just a stuffed toy. And I have other dogs who are like, well, once I rip it up, it's no good to me. Other dogs have absolutely no interest in soft toys. But by doing food toys and you start with easy ones, the kibble nibble can be easy. Kong wobbler can be kind of depending on on them. Even things like licking mats and there's a snuffle ball, easier stuff. But the food's there so it keeps them engaged. So it's not like doing the slot machine and not getting any feedback at all. Rawhides, sometimes like some dogs don't like to start rawhides because they're kind of hard. And so I have had some dogs in the past that, you know, we soak, we put the rawhide like an end in water for a little bit just to make it kind of soft. That some kind of gets them going. And then once the dog chews on it, the saliva makes it soft. My Jack Russell likes it pre-chewed. So she waits until Captain has nicely chewed the rawhide or the bone or whatever she's got. And then tries to do a sneak attack and steal it from him. He's kind enough to give in. However, if I give him a new one, he's like, dude, I just got that one nice and soft. And now I have to start again because my sister got it. So usually don't let her get away with that. So, you know, having that variety, having a basket or a, a container where you just rotate them. It keeps them fresh and keeps them so you don't have to keep buying so many. So does that mean for two, three days he is getting a no hide and then I take those away. And then for two, three days, he's getting a bully stick. And then for two, three days, he's getting something it else. It can depend on, it can pretend on the dog. Like I keep Kong, stuffed Kongs are available to my dogs when they're puppies, especially, but all times because the stuffed Kong, you can change every single day by this one has cheese in it. This has cream cheese in it. This has cottage cheese in it. This is peanut butter in it. You can change a Kong every single day. Because you get to have control of what goes in it. I always have something to chew. My dogs do tend to get kind of bored of like, well, they don't get them as much, but they still get rawhides once in a while. But they do, they'll get kind of bored of rawhide. And I'll notice that they're sitting around, they're not finishing them. So yeah. if that happens, then I, when they're in their chewing prime these days, you know, I don't have to worry about it as much more cleaning teeth is more of the reason that they chew their bones now i'll give them something you know maybe i would get a bully stick or you know one of the other things to give it to them and they might find it interesting so if there's stuff that they don't like then you know that's not worth it but like if you have a kong wobbler or a kibble nibble ball and maybe you have a buster food cube or um, some of the other puzzle toys you know i have some clients who leave all their puzzle toys out all the time well one you can have dogs chew on them so i don't really recommend those puzzle toys that have pieces 
picking those yeah. up. But if it's always the same one, it doesn't challenge them as much because they're like, okay, whatever. So, you know, having the Kongs can be out. If he didn't like bully sticks, but he really liked the no hide, then just keep no hide available all the time. Should have something that they can chew, something that they can play with that's like a food toy, a Kong, and then you can do rope, stuffed toys. If you have a toy that's just for tug, and you take it away when they're not playing it, then you can just have it for tug. Like it doesn't have to go away, but it's just keeping it. So when it's all out, kind of like when it's like a kid has a play playroom that has 8,000 toys and mom, I have nothing to do. You know, it's just because there's too many options and nothing, everything kind of gets, they don't, it doesn't look new and exciting anymore. I always give him a Kong when I put him into his crate, but what I'm hearing too is have it available, you know, a, uh, a Kong with some cheese in it or or whatever, like doesn't need to be just for crates. Yes, I love Kong so much because you can put kibble in it and plug it up and put turkey or, or um, chicken broth in it or just water and then, you know, freeze it. Or you can put canned food in it. You can put peanut butter in it. You can put chicken and rice in it if your dog has a tummy ache. You can put anything, vegetables, carrots, you know, anything. Apples, bananas, yeah. Whatever your dog likes, you can put in it. So you can always make it different. So you can use it so part of their meal is part of that so when you know puppies you don't have to worry about it as much but like adult dogs that you're watching their weight just use part of their food portion for it so that you're not adding extra calories but you are adding extra activity yeah i and i was meaning to tell you i found a new great food toy because teddy hasn't mastered kongs uh-huh. yet and I think it's because I got them too big which uh-huh. is another because I'm just so used to having my big dog yeah and- And so all of the things that are actually size appropriate for Teddy feel like they're going to be too small or he's going to grow out of them in a second. And I found these like pretty rigid little like cups. Uh It's like a Kong, but just more like a bowl shape. And I put baby food in it and froze it. And boy, oh boy, was that a fun time because it was sort of bouncy and licky and he was more successful at it than he has been with a Kong. And that's even with Kongs. I'll have people get a Kong for the first time they give their dog and they cram it full and then they freeze it and it's hard. So I had a client just yesterday that she goes, oh, she doesn't really like a Kong. So I said, okay, let's see. And I just put a little cream cheese on the edge, you know, and just inside and the dog ate it right away. And she's like, oh, maybe I'm just making it too hard. And then once they get the idea, you can make it harder and harder. So it's important to start all of these things, you know, and other things you can do is like, you can freeze baby food in like ice cube trays, you know, and then Mm -hmm. they can play with ice cubes or even just regular water ice cubes, you know, Mm -hmm. puppies like to play with that and, you know, making it so that they just have different kinds of you know, engagement with it, but yeah, making it easy at first. And there are so many toys now that are out there that it really, you have to kind of figure out what your dog likes. My dogs all like really challenging things now because they've been doing them their whole life, but that wasn't how they were when they were babies. Right. What is the difference between teething and biting? And, 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 you know, we're, we're doing lots of socialization and, you know, people in the world are just like, oh, he's, he's just a baby. It's okay if he mouths. And I'm like, uh-huh. don't let him do that. So what's the difference between, I'll call it like, maybe it's mouthiness mm-hmm. versus like, oh, this is something to really, really be concerned about. Cause my dog just bit me. Usually with puppies, it's not so much the action of the biting it's more looking at the rest of the body language because puppies can resource guard puppies can show signs it's very it's a fearful puppy might show some signs but that's when you look at their body language like if they bite down 
and they growl, but they're not like trying to just tug, but not playful, but they're like ears go back and maybe they're Maybe they get a hard stare. Like if, if you had a bone and they took it and they snapped at you and like, rah, 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 you know, like really went, what appears more aggressive, um, even though that's not their emotional state, but it's what it appears as. That's when you have to be more monitoring. It's looking at the rest of the body language. The mouthing itself could just be normal puppy mouthing. It's still important that people don't encourage it because we don't, you know, we want them to learn not to do it. A lot of times that comes down to humans and humans just knowing how to pet. Like when I pet Teddy's like this morning, you know, I pet his head and cupped his ears and scratched behind his ears, but he couldn't mount me because of the way I was petting him. I don't like pet him on the top of the head and then he snaps at me and then I play, you know, take away my hand and make a game out of it. Sometimes I'll even hold a collar, you know, so that they're not, you know, mouthing me, but that comes down to humans sometimes accidentally, you know, reinforce this behavior we don't want. And if he's tired, he's going to be more likely to do it. I have one yellow lab puppy that's in my puppy class right now. And she daycares with me and she's a very mouthy puppy. I mean, she mouths puppies, she mouths everything. She'll jumps up and snaps and bites your pants and things like that. But part of it, she's a very impulsive puppy. She's on the extreme. If you were looking at a spectrum, um, overly impulsive, but she also lives with two little kids who, you know, probably inadvertently tease her because they are afraid she's going to snap. So they pull things away from her. So what we do with her is just, if she's got something in her mouth, she's manageable and she likes to carry things around. So when she plays during playgroup during puppy class, I give her this big giant rubber bone that doesn't have food or anything, but I just give it to her so she can carry it around. Most puppies, you know, if they're just playing, but you usually need to look at the body language part. So if hard stare, there's a snapping, it's a little more like a resource guarding situation. That's when it's more concerning of a bite, you know, when it comes with other stuff, barking at you, like kind of thing or growling, but not the, oh, I'm tugging and I'm growling, but like the er, hard stare, looking at that whole piece where there's more intention to it, not just, I'm just exploring. But a lot of times they get in the habit of it because people inadvertently play with them. Um, And even petting them when they're tired because they kind of start mouthing at you to stop. And if you don't, if, if that gets you to stop, but also goes in their crate or whatever, they might learn, well, if I mouth, they'll stop petting me on the head if they don't like that. Yeah. Well, and I just realized a couple days ago that like, oh, he's just so cute. And I just want to squash his little face. And I, he's on his back, realized that I was encouraging some rough play mm-hmm. when he was on his back. Cause he's just so cute. And yeah. And so I was like, man, why can't this dog just like chill out and hang out with me and I'm like oh Emily because you never let him chill out and hang out with you because you are always like god you're so cute I can't get enough of you exactly and uh, so many times I have so many clients that have dogs with behavior problems that are attention seeking type behavior problems and during a private session they'll call their dog you know it will be together for an hour and 60 times I mean so that's like one time a minute they're like you know Fido 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 I'm like oh my gosh just let them be let them be always worrying about where they are. And so if you want them to be able to just lay by your feet, you have to be able to just give them a Kong, give them something to do, let, let them lay by your feet and not always interact. But, and some dogs don't like to be like, a lot of dogs will like behind their ears. So when I pet a puppy, like I'm right, rub my hand 
hands, my fingertips over like the middle part of their skull, mm -hmm. but then I end up scratching behind their ears. They like, like that. So they're not going to mouth me. If you mm -hmm. find that they're always mouthing you the way you're interacting with them, they may not also like it or they're like, stop it. But they're puppies. So they don't know how to really say that any other way. Puppies are mouthy. Mm -hmm. And so, so if you, if your puppy mouths you, it doesn't mean you're bad. It doesn't mean your puppy's bad. And still, because we don't want our adult dogs to learn that behavior, the goal should still be no mouthing, like, yes. like no, yeah. no tooth on skin contact. So yeah. we're not bad. If it happens, they're not a bad dog. And yes. we're really working towards that not happening. Exactly. Exactly. Because you just want them to, to learn. Do they also will learn really well if they play with other puppies, because another puppy, if they mouth them too much, another puppy might go, ow, yo, yip, and then ignore them. And then they start to learn bite inhibition, which is super important for puppies to learn. We oftentimes have, you know, people will say, oh, you know, yelp like a puppy. So like if that a puppy, if a puppy mouths you, they'll go, you say, you know, yep. well, for some puppies that actually excites them more. I find actually what's more authentic and they get it more is I literally just go, ow, it's still high pitched, but it's like not that yip, like fake sound. But what's more important that that will disengage them. Oftentimes they'll get kind of startled, like what? But then it's ignoring them after walking away and disengaging and being like, I'm not talking to you for two minutes or whatever. Like I'm disengaging because that's actually the more powerful part. The yip or the owl becomes like the warning of like, okay, you did. That was the moment. It's almost like the opposite of a clicker. That was the moment I didn't like. And now you're going to be ignored for a couple minutes. And if you ever watch puppies play, that's what they'll do is one will go out and then they'll walk off and disengage for a couple minutes. And then they'll go back and play. And over time, puppies will learn that that's not appreciated by your friends. So they'll have some bite inhibition themselves. And well, puppies I mean, are way better at teaching each other than we are at teaching. Yeah, it's been so interesting, too, because my previous dog, Scooter, like, he knew my mom voice. Like, you know, he yeah. stole a sock or whatever. Yeah. He knew my mom voice, but Teddy doesn't react to my mom voice because he doesn't know that it's a mom exactly. voice. Exactly, exactly. So what I'm hearing is, this is so such an interesting concept that, like, you're ouch have the same impact as a clicker. So instead of a clicker saying yes for that behavior, the owl says no, don't repeat that behavior. And then instead of a treat, we're getting, I'm gonna ignore you for a minute because yeah. I didn't like what you just did. Ooh yeah. la la, Shannon. Okay, <laughs> I like it. So there are moments, and this is what you're going to say. It's when Teddy is overtired. So I should have put <laughs> him to bed, you know, 15 minutes ago. But there are moments where he is committed that I am the toy and that he will chomp me and he is sort of like race you know I'm sitting on the floor or whatever and he's like racing around me like chomping and like I can't get my my hands on him so what's the right approach for that what what I've been doing is just sort of collecting him and holding him tight in my lap because uh -huh. then he can't pick me 
and then like just carrying him up to the crate but by the way he's almost 30 pounds now yeah. and my my ability to carry him up to the crate is short-lived let's acknowledge that i should have put him to bed 15 yeah, minutes okay. early so let's say we, you know we've already passed that rubicon he's in like crazy town mode what's the most appropriate way for me to deal with him when he well putting crazy. him in his crate is something you know and you may consider putting you know, as he gets bigger you know having that crate a crate downstairs but one thing that is also if you're able to just disengage so like if you're in your kitchen and he has all his baby gates up you know and he's doing it oh. just walk away like go out of the room for a minute or so as long as he's in a safe environment that he's not going to hurt himself you know or do something dumb walk away for a minute give him that minute to de-escalate a little bit he might take a big huff he might do a full body shake which a little stress release but also a heart decreases his heart rate and you know de-escalates him a little bit and then you could pick him up and put him in his crate and then you can also start teaching him that every time you grab his collar he gets a treat so that when if you have to grab his collar or like in puppy class, a lot of the times I have people that think their dogs know recall, but they don't. And they're calling them and I'm like, oh my gosh. But some of the dogs start to learn that when they call them or they're going to grab their collar, they run the other way. So I will like have a treat ready and the dog comes up to me. I give them the treat and then I grab the collar. So I don't grab the collar first. I give them the treat and then I grab the collar, but then I give them another treat. So they start to learn that when I grab their call and I want to do that lots of times. So when I grab their collar, it's a it's a good thing. It doesn't mean you're going to run away from you or anything. And so you can also do start preparing him for that so that when he gets big, if you need to take his collar so you can just lead him, you're not dragging him, but kind of lean him with you to his kennel. Then what you could do is also throw his treat in his kennel. So he runs in on his own. I'm just thinking because he's going to be potentially, you know, 80 pounds as you're doing this, he'll start to, you know, go into his crate and just have those moments of timeout. Yeah. It's, you know, it's something where if they go over the top, it's really hard to bring them back down. So disengaging, bringing the energy down, whatever you need, getting them so they, they take that downtime. I realize that his sit command is way more solid than I thought it was. I never want to say sit unless I'm sure he's going to sit. Yeah. And so just recently when he's gotten mouthy i've redirected him to a sit and to a yeah. give me five and yeah. it like magically totally works and he snaps out of snappy mode and just sits like a good boy and gives me five and so yeah, exactly. i think too, that was like a confidence that i needed yes. that like i have actually trained him enough that he can snap out of and that's why i think it's so important mode. that dogs learn you know sometimes people go why do train dog you know whatever and Training a dog for me is not like so I can have control over them. It's so I have a communication with them. They know when I ask them to do something, they know when I'm asking. That decreases frustration in both parties, you and your puppy. When, you know, you can say sit, come, drop it, leave it, you know, down, day, those kinds of things. The other thing too, you know, I, you and I both love clicker training. It makes training go so much faster but one thing that I did with Scooter and now I'm doing with Teddy is I'm also training the word yes. Mm -hmm. So if I don't have my clicker and I say it the same way every time, it's like, yes. So then if when I don't have my clicker, the second he sits and gives me five, mm -hmm. I'm giving that verbal reinforcement of 
yes mm-hmm. so that then I can you know scrunch his ears or whatever to give him that yeah. enforcement yeah and it's good you can use both or some people say good and for everyday stuff I like having the clicker for when they're overly distracted because sometimes they don't hear yes or good because it's our voices that just blend out but that click is just unique so that's mm-hmm. why I like it for other things but having mm-hmm. them have other ways that you could just it's just all communication I remember from my childhood that the way to teach a mouthy puppy to stop being mouthy is either to hold their mouth closed or to like gently squeeze their lips against their teeth this is your opportunity to tell us not to do that <laughs> yeah, a, no it, it actually can cause more frustration it can cause more mouthiness sometimes because they get don't want it so then they'll come after you harder but what it also does is it teaches them to be afraid of your hands pretty soon you need to check their teeth or you need to look in to see if they swallowed something or you need to give them a pill or you need to do something and they don't want to have anything to do with your hands and this is what i tell people a lot of times if you think about it from a dog's perspective they're being mouthy they're in their brain not aware of their mouthiness because they're just being puppies and then all of a sudden you hold their mouth shut they don't and you're not they don't know why you're doing this all of a sudden and so now you've just contained them but in a in a bad way it would be like someone who talks with their hands and somebody just all of a sudden comes up to them no explanation or anything and then holds their hands really you know down to their side or holds them puts a straight jacket essentially on them you know and they were like that's not going to make me not want to talk with my hands but that's going to make me not want to talk around you or if we're talking and somebody comes and puts their hand over your mouth but you don't know why they're you know don't want you to talk it doesn't make you want to not talk it just makes you not want to talk around them or not be around them we have to remember that sometimes we have best intentions or we think what we think our dog dog is perceiving our puppy's perceiving and what they actually are perceiving is two totally different things it happens with humans all the time too we have misunderstood you know understandings with other humans because we assume that we know what they're thinking and we know what assume you know we don't want to make an out of you or me so you know we want to make sure that we're not just making assumptions and that's where important of understanding you know how animals learn and understanding body language and and why the science behind training has gone so much into learning theory and stuff rather than let's just punish them until they stop doing what we don't want them to do because the side effects of all of that come and then we have these side effects we didn't unintentional you know we didn't expect our dog to be afraid of our hands because we you know bopped them on the nose because they barked or whatever but we just don't think about it in the moment and then later you're like oh well that kind of makes sense but you have to be some people need that pointed out to them this notion of getting your dog comfortable with you dealing with your with their mouth and you know you and I both have labs and and completely unintentionally Scooter always had things in his mouth and he had no problem with me dealing with his mouth and Mm -hmm. opening his mouth and reaching in and pulling out whatever thing he found and Uh so I think this is just a plug and already I can tell that Teddy like he's fine with it he got a Kleenex today and it's just like okay give this like thank you I'll take this from you so I guess I want to do a plug for really making sure that your pup is comfortable and familiar and and you are, can completely confidently take something out of their mouth that they that would be unsafe for them to have exactly and their ears too you know looking in their ears sticking your fingers in their ears so if you have to clean them looking at their teeth looking in their eyes feeling their paws touching their tail all those things that they may not like as adults if you don't do it mm-hmm. now and if they have a place that's sensitive you can touch their paws and give them a treat. Touch their paws and give them a treat until they 
it's not a big deal, you know, that nothing is new and and scary. Well, my last question is mere bringing together the very importance of socialization with mouthiness and teething. So how can I set Teddy up for success and keep my strangers safe, right? Because he is chompy and I do want him to interact with children. Mm -hmm. And so how do I just make sure that everyone is safe through this process? I I feel like with adults, I can, I can say his claws are very sharp Mm -hmm. and his teeth are very sharp and he is chompy. And so then it's almost like informed consent. Um, You know, they know what they're getting into, but how do I, how do I bring those two together to keep everyone safe and socialize him. Well, one thing you can also do with his toenails is like, if you keep filing them, like, you know, then that makes that a little easier, but you can't file their teeth. But some things that you can do is like with my kids, have the kids bring treats, you know, for them. But instead of the kids handing the treats, because some kids aren't really good at handing them, you can have them do it open hand, like you're feeding a horse. And so that's helpful. But some kids are still not really good at that. And they still pull your their hand away really quickly, which can cause more problems. But having them put treats on the ground so that they can treat them off the ground. Another thing that sometimes I'll have people do is you give the treats while they're petting him. So, okay. And you can have them lick something like the cream cheese contain, you know, the little, if you gave them cream cheese or if you had a Kong or something they can lick, or you're giving a whole bunch of treats while the person or people are petting him, interacting with them. Some things you can also do is have kids throw a ball if he's not too tired, you know, throw something for him. So he's getting interacted with them, you know, and and with the socialization, it's just being comfortable with everybody, but it doesn't mean he has to be best friends with everybody. He doesn't have to spend 30 minutes with all of these people. So sometimes it's keeping it short also is good because he doesn't get too tired and overwhelmed having it. So you kind of manage it a little bit more. Maybe you're giving the treats while, especially for kids, having him be around all of those different things and watching kids, but they don't have to always be like petting them all the time. And then as he gets older, you know, he won't have that as much, but it's, you know, making sure he's not tired, making sure that you give his mouth something else to do. So licking something, eating something. And some puppies are just more mouthy than others. And then not having him have a toy that they can tug with him. So you also give him a better opportunity. Yeah. So all of those things, you know, it's kind of that combination, but it's important. Sometimes people think socialization means they have to spend three hours with a kid. No, you're better off doing 30 kids, five minutes each than one kid for three hours, you know, because it's, the different people and the smells and, and all of that. It's, it's going to new environments. It's all those exposures. The sound of a baby crying or a toddler exactly. screaming or whatever. It's just introducing them to the world so that the world's not such a scary place. This segment of t- mouthy puppy questions, but I'm sure we will have, keep having more as Teddy grows up and we'll keep having more questions for you guys. And we're helping Emily and you at the same time and Teddy. So, well, I hope that this segment of Positive Puppy Podcast is helpful for anyone who is having a puppy and we will keep on the journey. And as you get to see pictures of Teddy, you'll get to watch him growing up. And and we always like to see other puppies growing up too. So you're always welcome to share that with us at trulyforcefree.com and we can add them maybe to our puppy page. Well, thank you again, Emily, for being my guest again and powering me up with puppy questions. I will see you at our next call. Sounds good. Thanks, Shan.